All right, thanks, Scott Shannon. Happy Monday, 85 days. You are the ultimate jury. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. Thank you also uh, launching week two. Uh, thank you again. Number one week two of Live Free or Die, America and the World on the Brink. Uh, I got some good news before airtime. If you go to Hannity.com, Amazon.com, now in bookstores everywhere, on sale 40% off today at Amazon. I mean, it started at like 20, 18%, then 20%, then it's uh, 34%. Now it's 40, which is awesome. Um, and uh, you're making that happen. This is the tipping point of a lifetime for this country. And everything is at stake. Uh, a lot of A lot of stuff I'm doing all week. We're going to have our town hall with Linda, a virtual town hall that everybody can be a part of. That ought to be interesting. That is me taking a great career risk. Uh, Then we're just going to do an entire town hall, 2020 Live Free or Die town hall. All these events are free and all of them available to anyone that wants to join us. We'll put the details up on Hannity.com and I'll just be answering your questions the whole time. And I'll stay as long as I possibly can. Um, and we've been staying long on a lot of these events because we're having all having fun. So uh, we'll keep you up to date on all of that. Don't forget our election interactive map because we're now getting close to, okay, well, when do you need to register by? Are you sure you're registered to vote, especially if you're in a swing state? If you're in Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, Ohio, Iowa, if you are in Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico, obviously Wisconsin, obviously Pennsylvania, obviously Michigan, maybe even Minnesota this time around. Who knows? Anything can happen. I'd also say New Hampshire is very important. The second congressional district in Maine is hugely important. Um, And every other state as well. I don't want to take any vote or any state for granted. So anyway, you can find out when is registration end in your state, how to register. In a lot of cases, we put links up if you want to. Uh, This is, again, this is more just information. Then you might want to know when early voting starts. If you have it in your state, when does it start? And absentee voting, when does that? How do you go about that process? There's a lot of of details involved here, and you got to plan now. And that's why we created the Hannity Interactive Map on Hannity.com for the ultimate jury, meaning you. And 85 days is going to fly by. That much I can tell you. Uh, Another weekend of chaos. Another weekend of anarchy. Another weekend of madness and mayhem in our nation's cities. How sad is it when we come here every Monday and, and we have to tell you stories and give you statistics about... All of the different people that have been shot, all of our fellow citizens shot, all of even the, the all young people even dying. It's just, it's sad. Now, you know, Bill Barr was on with the great one, Mark Levin, on his show Life, Liberty, and Levin uh, this past weekend. And, and he's, he's not wrong in what he said here. Now, 73 days straight now in Portland. How long did the Chop Chaz Summer of Love Autonomous Zone Spaghetti potluck dinner zone where Horace Lorenzo Anderson Jr. was murdered. Others were murdered. Others injured. You know, how long did that go on for? Or the autonomous Chaz Chop zone in Atlanta where an eight-year-old little girl died. You know, how many, how many years now has the violence in Chicago just, you know, continued a, a, a cycle of violence every weekend? 
Obama was president. Joe was vice president. Ferguson, Baltimore, a whole series of incidents. They didn't do anything for police reform. Donald Trump did. But they barely ever mentioned the, the violence in Chicago. Why is it some names, very few, though, you know, become cause celebs, but we ignore the, 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 the numbers of violent incidents? Is there anybody that they we're beginning to have some signs that people are showing up to support their local police in light of this defund madness? We're going to replace them with social workers whose caseload is so big they can't even control that part of their job. Well, we're going to hire, what, psychologists to go into the neighborhoods and say, let's talk about your feelings. Why are you feeling anger and host- anger and hostility right now? Are there better ways to express your anger and your hostility? Okay, good luck with that. We already know how that's going to end in failure. I mean, but that, that, that's what they're talking about. You know, to the extent Bill Barr is right, this is an urban guerrilla warfare driven by the left and their lust for power. One thing I could pretty much be sure of is in 86 days after Election Day, a lot of this is going to end. And at least in its current manifestation and form, you might see the emergence of madness if, in fact, the left is defeated by the people of this country that have had it with the lawlessness and the chaos and the promises of big socialist dreams by radical Joe Biden. You know, him, Bolshevik, Bernie, his economics are AOC, his new green deals are. He's pledging trillions for this madness, trillions for the new green deal. Beto, you know, hell yeah, I'm coming after your guns. Gee, that's Joe's guns are. Never mind Pelosi and Schumer. They wouldn't they couldn't even put petty politics aside again and put together an aid package, an unemployment extension package for those people that needed it. And it's just pathetic who they are. Every single time we've talked about aid, that's what they've talked about. The AG comparing the the nationwide roots organized by Antifa to a new form of urban guerrilla warfare. United States is grappling with a new form of urban guerrilla warfare driven by the left's lust for power, he said. These are powerful statements, which has been characterized by the media as a fed-up activist group it's comprised, he rightly identified as Bolsheviks with a focus on some of uh, some form of socialism, communism. He's dead on accurate. I, I did a whole chapter in Live Free or Die just on this, Socialism, A History of Failure. I go, go into great, great detail about the Bolsheviks. Because remember, this is the former Soviet Union. How did that promise of utopia work out for the people in the then former Soviet Union? How did it work out? For all of their satellite countries, Hungary and, and Bulgaria and Yugoslavia and Czechoslovakia, how did it work out for them? How did it work out for East Germany and the German socialists? How's it working out modern day in Venezuela? How's it working out in Cuba? It's not. And he's right about everything that he says. Talking about, we discuss it in Live Free or Die, Chapter 4 also, about Mao using in China, you know, used to speak about, you know, the gorilla being like fish swimming in the ocean, the way they move through the people, you know, hiding out among the people as fish in the ocean. And what they do is essentially shield themselves, shroud themselves in First Amendment activity. They go into demonstrations. Some people innocently, rightly exercising their First Amendment rights and they insulate themselves and, you know, are there to shield themselves with with honest people that that want to express their dissatisfaction with 
the state of whatever's going on in their city, their state. That's that's all perfectly legal. And he said they hijacked these demonstrations, provoked police. Well, that's why we have over 2000 police officers injured with bricks and now canes and bats and knives and hockey sticks and Molotov cocktails, uh, you know, everything in between. Various tiers of, of people from the from the sort of top provocateurs through people who are their minions that sort of run the violent minions, you know, really say Democrats, you know, th- this is now the revolutionary party believing in tearing down the system. That uh, that's what's wrong about America, you know, all its institutions. That's why we see, you know, th- there's no democratic process. People voting in a democratic as a democratic republic, they're representatives that would decide whether or not this statue stays or goes. Why do it the legal way? Why do it the right way? The left has pulled away from the umbrella of classical liberal values. Yeah, they're all leftist radical extremists at this point. That's another point I've been making. And policing is now very difficult. It's a dangerous job. Demonizing them won't help bring in good cops. No. And the cops that are there are going to, you know, make a right turn when they know damn well they, they're needed if they go left. The American people see this, but they don't see it in the news media in this country. That's also true. And the media, the left, they use the same talking points. Well, because that state run TV of all things radical. You know, I, I go over all of this. You know, if you think back and I talk about it in Chapter four, Socialism, a History of Failure. You know, it managed to turn the Soviet Union, and I write all about this, from the world's largest grain exporter into a major importer. In other words, they were humiliated by us. They had to then turn to us, their chief geostrategic rival, the U.S., to feed their own people. Venezuela should be the richest country on the face of the earth. I talk about that example in the book. East Germany, thanks to socialism... They stopped producing anything extraordinary. I use the example except, you know, steroid-infused athletes. I mean, a wall to keep people in, not out. You know, we're building a wall because so many people want to come here. And then you talk about the Bolshevik Revolution. I go into great detail about exactly what he's talking about here. You know, as if, you know, it's the Karl Marx, the word of God, Mount Sinai, the godfather of the Soviet Union, Lenin. Drawing from Marx, the whole economy organized along the lines of, oh, what, the post office? How did, I keep saying in interview after interview, how did Obamacare work out? We know the answer. How's Social Security and Medicare working out? All these cities run by leftists for decades. How's law and order working out? How's, uh, how, you know, basic, fund, their most fundamental job, they're failing. How is the educational opportunities for our children in these big cities? You know, that's always been the core problems, whatever name it's given, the revolution, China, the Bolsheviks, you know, whatever you want to call it, whatever form it takes, it ends up in a dictatorship. You know, you got this, you know, the proletariat, you know, the dictatorship, you get this uh, dictatorship, small group of Marxists will never surrender power. By the way, you look at one state party rule. Imagine if the Democrats, they get the House. They get the Senate, they get the presidency, they promise utopia because all those promises are the same. Whatever form socialism, Marxism, redistributionism, statism, 
I went into detail about the Communist Manifesto demonizing the bourgeois, characterizing them as merciless and fiendish exploiters of the workers. Does that sound familiar? Rich versus poor? That they're not paying their fair share? Demonizing people that are successful? The workers have nothing of their own to secure and to fortify? Well, that's not been the American experiment under free market capitalism, risk, reward, and choice. You look at all these neighborhoods. My parents got out of utter poverty growing up. My grandparents grew up in poverty because of liberty and freedom and the opportunity to make oneself better, not promises of a government socialist utopia that would take care of every need they have from the cradle to the grave from from the womb to the tomb. I spent more time on this one chapter. I'm, I'm listening, I'm watching last night. And I'm like, wow. I spent a whole chapter on everything Barr's talking about. And he's right. Socialism, the Bolsheviks, 1917, their transformation in Russia into the Soviet, the Union of Soviet uh, Socialist Republics, it became an unmitigated disaster. Bolsheviks seized communication hubs, post office, means of production, imprisoned the ruling authorities, steal their property, promising everything is free. And then guess what happens? Misery, poverty, and a loss of freedom. That's the one thing every experiment, whatever name it's given, it always ends the same way, loss of freedoms. Well, that's all on the ballot in 85 days. Anyway, I, I was stunned because it just echoed everything that I just released in my book last week. Socialism, a history of failure. Just read that one chapter and read the chapter before it, Democrats 2020 Agenda Fantasyland. Because it's exactly what every other experiment of socialism, they use the same words, the same promises, and they always end in the same way, failure. All right, as we roll along, 800-941-SEAN, you want to be a part of the uh, program. I, I mean, things are so bad, Chicago rocked by widespread looting, and, and I guess what they call or consider, there's one in New York, the Miracle Mile in Long Island, all these expensive high-end retailers, etc. Well, okay, that's... You know, Nordstrom's and, and Macy's and Gucci and Louis Vuitton and all these, you know, expensive stores. I wonder, you think those stores are going to reopen? Probably not. Then you got the, the dopey mayor, lightweight there, just never doing her job. Imagine, you know, Louis Farrakhan lives there. What's he doing? What's, um, what, what's Jesse Jackson doing? Where, where's Obama? He was never there, barely mentioned Chicago for eight years, just like Joe barely mentioned it. Uh, the violence was happening every weekend then, too, and regularly there, too. Rom, Rombo, Deadfish, nothing. I think I'm the only person that scrolled the names of people who's you never heard their names before. The thousands shot, the thousands killed. Nobody wanted to pay any attention to it. They're still not, you know, barely paying attention to it. And they don't seem to have any desire to ever fix it. And they have no belief in, in, I guess, dealing with the underlying problems here. We do know how to restore order. We do. You know, there, there are methods to do so. Tough policing methods. Putting more cops on the street, stop and frisk. If riots emerge, then that's called, okay, the tools of the police are very, very, very simple. Tear gas, pepper spray does disperse rioting crowds. But now cops can't use them. The, the president's been begging all these mayors and governors, you know, to provide them help. They keep rejecting it. 
Well, that's not going to help. That's not going to protect anybody now. All right, glad you're with us. 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Um, and uh, thank you for making Live Free and Die Now launch number one two weeks in a row. Um, I, w- I really watched with fascination this interview with Levin last night and the Attorney General Bill Barr and his comparison of, you know, uh, these these radicals and these groups and, you know, to the Bolsheviks. Because I, I, this- I spent so much time researching two specific chapters in the book. One is about America's founding principles of greatness, and which was chapter one. And then I go through the Democrats' rise of radicalism and towards radicalism and, and their 2020 socialist fantasy land, I call it, agenda. And I didn't even know it would be as extreme as it is now. But if you look at what the USSR, you know, I, I can, you know, I, I wrote in the book, in, in the chapter about socialism, a history and failure, I wrote this. The USSR, it, it becomes quickly totalitarian. It becomes a one-party one state, and the views of the party leadership, that's the only acceptable ones. Every, everybody else is wiped out. Well, what do you see happening in an, all these attempts to silent conservative voices in this country today? That's exactly what I'm referring to. You know, the, the press in this country, the 99% are a bunch of zombies, conspiracy-peddling theorists out there that are nothing but state-run newspapers, state-run news television state networks, and, and state-run, you know, bigger networks with state-run news reports. That's all you get. Talk radio and a few of us on Fox are, are pretty much it. There's not, not a whole lot of us, to be very honest. Sad, actually. You know, they always claim the same thing. What else happens? You know, all other political parties, they get wiped out. Pre, you, you only get Pravda. You get the, the propaganda press and uh, religious expression, you know, the opiate of the masses, right? You know, well, the, you know, what do we have now? Outright hostility. Donald Trump has been the greatest champion of religious freedom of any president in our lifetime by far. And it calls on the individual, number one, you don't believe that rights come from the state. You believe that rights are natural rights or God-given rights. I cover a lot of that in chapter one. It's the opposite of what the socialists believe or, or Marx's denunciation of faith being the opiate of the masses. No other room for any other viewpoints, initiatives in society. You know, they're, they're widely condemned ostracized, put in jail, and in many cases, tortured and end up dying, depending on how extreme the, the form of, quote, collectivism. Uh, it, it's just all about the power hungry. And they lock people into this. It's the same darn thing. It's, you know, false promises that will never be fulfilled, you know, fulfilled by anybody. It's simple math at this point. Then you get the thought police or the secret police and you got neighbor ratting on neighbor and then people disappearing in the dead of night to keep control over the masses. Anybody that's an enemy, you know, literally, whoops, end up dead, imprisoned. You know, literally, the that's what the whole gulag system was about. You know, millions in the former Soviet Union were imprisoned in this system. You know, at the time of, you know, Stalin's death of 1953... One Russian historian said there were 11 million people employed in one way or another on the task of watching the rest of the population 
Never been anything like that in history. The, number one, they always become paranoid, the leaders, because they never want to lose their power. And the wealth that comes along with it. You know, you, the, the so-called rich, the bourgeois, systematically humiliated, abused, starved, and murdered. That's what happens here. Now, it doesn't necessarily take on that extreme, but what happened in, in Cuba during the revolution? Yeah, Wealthy landowners had their still their land stolen from them by the Castro the murdering Castro brothers. What happened in Venezuela? Same corruption again. They should be the richest country on earth. Anytime this socialism is is tried, and the USSR is but one example. But remember, then they had all their satellite examples. You know, they're in charge, state control of industry. Well, isn't that what they're talking about by promising everything is free? And that we're going to take over the energy sector. Good luck with that. You know, they, they make the promise that, well, the basically the working people are exploited workers and, you know, go to Trotsky explicit about the need to replace free commerce and, and government control planning, state control of, you know, it's you can look at the classical definition of socialism. You know, that that economy begins with the liquidation of the market. And that means the liquidation of regulation. And by the way, they, they're the ones that set all the rules. That's what's at play here. This is, what they're, this is what they're offering America in this election. And then you have the spread throughout the entire 20th century based on that Soviet model. When you, can, when you add in just c- collectively, you add in, you know, China, the revolution, the Bolsheviks, their revolution, their expanding socialist empire and state. You know, then you add in East Germany versus West Germany, then Nazism, then fascism. Over 100 million people die in the last century alone. Those, those are called human beings. Remember, I remember growing up and just all you saw in the Soviet Union, lines upon lines upon lines just for milk and bread and bare necessities. Examples of kids not being able to get milk without a prescription. That's that was not the problem. The promise if they got rid of those evil rich people in in the former Soviet Union, whatever manifestation it is. And now we have it in the form of Bernie Sanders socialism. Bernie Sanders was an outlier. In the Democratic Party. A total outlier. He was not considered mainstream. He was laughed at. He was just basically tolerated. An annoyance when he was running against Hillary Clinton. Now he's become the mainstream of this radical new Democratic Socialist Party. Become so powerful that now Joe Biden, in his state of weakness, has to adopt Bernie as his economic czar and literally plagiarize his economic agenda. Just like he literally has to cater to AOC and the squad. And the new Green Deal madness and promise trillions of dollars if he's president because he needs their support desperately. There's no moderates in the Democratic Party today. I don't see one of them. That's why they couldn't get a deal with the president this weekend. You know, who would go honeymoon in the former Soviet Union? That was Bernie Sanders. Jeez. It was a CNN town hall. I, I recount this in Chapter 4, Socialism, the History of Failure. As it relates to Bernie Sanders, Sanders, how do you rectify your notion of democratic socialism with the failures of socialism in nearly every country that's tried it? That is the whole premise of this chapter. 
He answered, well, it's your assumption that I supported or believed in authoritarian communism that existed in the Soviet Union. I don't and never have. Well, why the hell did you go vacation there? Why do so many of these people praise Castro, even though he's a murder, was a murdering dictator? The Castro's brothers. He says, I never have. Yeah, well, why were you there for your honeymoon? Not many people at that time were going to the Soviet Union for their honeymoon. You know, he says, what do I mean when I talk about democratic socialism? It's certainly not the authoritarian communism that existed in the Soviet Union and other communist countries. Well, he's praised the actions of the communist regimes, you know, even traveling to Nicaragua with Daniel Nortega and the Sandinistas celebrations commemorating the anniversary of the communist Sandinista regime. I quoted the New York Times at the anniversary celebration. A wire report described the chant of, you know, here, there, everywhere, the Yankee will die. What part of that did he miss that was happening all around him? Or his letter to Daniel Ortega inviting him to Burlington, bemoaning the mob and the media's bias against his regime. Pretty sick stuff. Same thing. Bernie went to Cuba. Bernie, I didn't see a single hungry child, he said. I didn't see any homeless people, he said. Admitted that Cuba was not the perfect society, but said the communist nation, quote, not only has free health care, but very high quality health care. Well, Michael Moore made that stupid statement. You know, he was asked by 60 Minutes. You know, what about this praise of Castro? We're very opposed to the authoritarian nature of Cuba. Okay, so when everything goes south, then he, he distanced himself from the very places that he went to visit and supported. That's what's at stake in 85 days. And none of this is good. And, you know, I know the media is nothing but state-run propaganda conspiracy news television. That's it. Portland can riot for 73 days. They turn the, the liberal mayor into a law and order disciple at this point. And then all they do now, they, all, the, all they care about, not restoring law and order, they care about, you know, yelling at Donald Trump to stay the hell out and don't even, don't whatever you do, don't help us. Colorado, we saw demonstrations over the weekend with Black Lives Matter demonstrators. How many more cops have to get hurt in all of this? New York gun background checks. Guess what? It spiked 121 percent in June. Wow. Pretty amazing. You know, there was an interesting question in Politico in an article today. How San Francisco Democrats took over the country. It's a hell of a good question that they asked. What Barr is saying is dead on accurate, too. He understands the history of these radical regimes the lofty promises, and then the the eventual power grab and the resulting in the end of freedom and liberty, which has made this country the greatest country God gave man. It's advanced the human condition unlike any other society, and it's all because of liberty, freedom, capitalism, risk-reward initiative of the individual based on natural rights given by God and not by the state. And the left wants to tear this system down. They don't like it because they don't get the power in, under this system of governance. You know, you want to know what's happening in New York? None of it's good. Chicago, well, homicides up 50%, 139% in July alone. 
Well, what are they doing? That's that's government's number one job. Now they can't do that. They're not educating our kids. Obamacare didn't work. What is government doing so well that they deserve more power and we need and deserve us to believe their phony promises? Literally, Chicago's Miracle Mile was looted for hours before they were able to restore order. New York City shootings are now double what they were in 2019. Double. Want to move to New York? They cut the cops a billion dollars, got rid of their uh, a prestigious street crime unit. And because of the, the squalid conditions on the Upper West Side of New York, not an inexpensive place to live. Well, they put two new homeless shelters packed with junkies and get this registered sex offenders uh, in expensive hotel rooms that the taxpayers are paying for. You know, we got Cuomo begging people to come back to New York. He'll even cook you dinner and buy you a drink. What he's not telling you is it's going to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars because that's what you pay extra for being stupid enough to live in New York City. Crimes committed over the past several days have been unheard of a year ago in some of these these neighborhoods that are now filled with the, the, the mayor and the city moving in the homeless people and the drug addicts. 40-year-old woman randomly stabbed in the 72nd Street subway station at noon. By the way, that would be one of the safest areas historically in New York. 56-year-old man sucker-punched while dining outdoors with his wife on Wednesday night. 79th Street, Amsterdam, Upper West Side. The, the, one of the hotels there, 76th and Broadway, converted into homeless shelters. 300 vagrants between them, 10 of the men registered sex offenders, by the way, one block away from a school. Well, that's brilliant. Great job, Comrade de Blasio. I'm sure the, I'm sure the, the parents of children feel so much better today because you're such a genius. This is, this is now, this is organized madness, and it's all done for a reason. Now, we're seeing signs of people now coming out to support the police. I mentioned last week the attorney general backed up his car, turned around, and there was a pro-police rally, and he went out there to, to join and say, yeah, thank you to the 99%. 73 days of protests resulting in a fire at the police build, uh, police union building in, in Portland. In Seattle, there was actually a rally for police in Seattle, and Back the Blue is what it was called outside of City Hall, and the rally, you know, SPD, you know, calling on the city not to defund the Seattle Police Department. That police chief out there... Literally after telling citizens, we can't help you during a riot because they won't allow us to use the tools of our training to do so. Banning, you know, what are the usual means, tear gas and pepper spray to to disperse crowds during rioting. This is all on the ballot in just 85 days. This is our whole country at stake in 85 days. Our whole system of governance is at stake. Everything we've, that has made us great will be rejected. Everything that has been proven an utter failure will, will take its place. Why would we ever do that? Well, I think it's important for the American people to know that when the FBI opens an investigation, it does so with proper predication, uh, with proper authorization, uh, based on the law and the facts and nothing else. And I think uh, it's important that the inspector general found that in this particular instance, the investigation was opened with appropriate predication and authorization. 
What's the biggest takeaway and the most important takeaway from the report for you? Well, I think there's a number of takeaways that are important. One, that we fully cooperated with the, this independent review. Two, that we fully accept its findings and recommendations. Uh, three, that the Inspector General did not find political bias or improper motivations impacting the opening of the investigation or the decision to use certain investigative tools during the investigations. Including FISA. Including FISA but that the Inspector General did find uh, a number of instances where employees uh, either failed to follow our policies, neglected to exercise appropriate diligence, or in some other way fell short of the standard of conduct and performance that we and that I as director expect of all of our employees. But again, we are, and I am, ordering 40, over 40 corrective actions to address all of those things uh, in a way that's robust and serious. Uh, and we're determined to learn the lessons from this report and make sure the FBI emerges from this even better and stronger. All right. Uh, and yet still, Christopher Ray, seemingly to me, getting little to nothing done, not even taking it. I got to be honest. I, I think one of the biggest disappointments, he is at the head of the premier law enforcement agency in the entire world and his lack of urgency, even apparent desire now to get to any of this, the bottom of any of this is beyond words or comprehension. Frankly, the time has come that if he has no intention of doing his job for the sake of everybody in this, in it, it, that works, the 99% of people that protect and serve uh, under his ranks and get to the bottom of this corruption and abuse to abuse of power. I don't know why he's even there. I mean, you have, you know, Ron Johnson, Lindsey Graham, all these people are out there. Now, down, now Ray has been subpoenaed and a former State Department official in an intensifying investigation into the corruption with uh, in Russia, Ukraine and uh, Ron Johnson saying evidence of Joe Biden's family engaging in a glaring conflict of interest. All the things we've known about quid pro quo Joe, zero experience Hunter, and much, much more. Literally, Graham saying the FBI deceived the Senate Intelligence Committee in 2018, briefing on in that on, on the Steele dossier. Remember, they were first warned in 2016. Don't use it as the basis of a FISA warrant. It became the bulk of information. And even Sally Yates, even, let's see, we had numerous people, Andrew McCabe, all saying without Clinton bought and paid for Russian disinformation dossier, there is no FISA application. It never, the warrant never would have been granted. In the words of Lindsey Graham, they misled the hell out of them. Another way to put it is they lied to Congress. Well, Roger Stone was found having lied to Congress. He had, what, 21 guys in tactical gear, frogmen and CNN cameras for a pre-dawn raid with guns in his face, not unlike what happened with Manafort. And uh, Lindsey Graham going on, new memos say that the FBI lied, told Congress that their subsource was credible when, in fact, they knew in January of 2017 that it was not credible. But yet it's still being used through 2018 and still being used for two more. The the, the dirty dossier still being used for two more FISA warrants to spy on, well, then President Trump. You know, he goes on the most troubling points in the redacted documents that he wants released and he wants Ray to dump and give every bit of crossfire hurricane information over immediately. How much longer do we have to wait? Why is Ray delaying? You know, pointing out the Senate that 
you know, what we learned from Sally Yates' testimony, knowing what she knows now, Rod Rosenstein, knowing what he knows now, uh, they never would have signed those those FISA applications because they had no justification to do so and no verification. Even says a, a Stephen Strange, a lot of Republicans involved. You know, the man who introduced deep state spy, Stefan Halpert, or Carter Page, holds his first uh, interview. That came out this weekend. Anyway, here to sort all this out, Greg Jarrett, uh, John Solomon are with us. Uh, John, with all these new developments, and I look at Christopher Ray, and I don't see a guy that's cooperating or showing any desire to clean up the world's premier law enforcement agency. Yeah, it was over a year ago uh, this month that I wrote a column saying that he was dragging his feet and that, you know, he's playing the rope-a-dope, trying to keep these documents away. Now he has an August 20th deadline. He must comply with Senator Ron Johnson's request for all documents, including everything turned over to the IG, everything that was produced in the course of a, a crossfire hurricane. The clock is finally ticking. We'll see if he has the a wherewithal to, to meet the subpoena or whether he tries to run out the clock before the election. But senators are getting serious now. They're tired of the delays. They're tired of the obfuscation, the personal attacks that have been launched against them. And they're really starting to put the clamps on uh, the people who can give us the final answers. Well, how much longer can they keep lying and withholding information, Greg Jarrett? Because we're still getting new information daily. As long as Christopher Ray continues to cover up and deceive Look, almost from the moment that Chris Ray uh, was sworn in as FBI director, I referred to him as cover-up Chris. This is a guy who should resign in disgrace for the disgrace for the good of the country, or be fired. Frankly, he needs to be fired and and fired a long time ago. He has been hiding a lot of this evidence and covering up his predecessor's actions, Andrew McCabe and uh, James Comey. And these are the guys who uh, lied to the FISA court in order to spy on the Trump campaign. And then separately, as Senator Graham pointed out yesterday, the new document he just released, which Ray should have turned over more than a year ago, uh, shows that they lied to the Senate Intelligence Committee. Those are two separate uh, felony crimes, and they involve uh, fraud, conspiracy, uh, and perjury. And they ought to be prosecuted. And you can just hear uh, Comey and McCabe and Peter Strzok, the Mo, Larry, and Curly of the FBI, saying, oh, gosh, uh, you know, we didn't know anything about that. Well, of course they did. This was the most important case they were handling at the FBI. They knew every single aspect of it. They knew that they were lying to the Senate Intelligence Committee, knew they were lying to the FISA court. They didn't care. They thought they'd never get caught, uh, but they have been caught red-handed, and they're among the people who I, I believe uh, should be prosecuted by U.S. Attorney John Durham. And, you know, again, Christopher Ray must resign or be fired. Well, I mean, he's now brought us to the point where I don't think there's any, any other choice but to, but to do such here. Uh, John, you have a piece out about the timing of Durham's conclusion and actions we might expect. I keep hearing Labor Day, Labor Day, Labor Day, but we've kind of been through this song and dance a lot with the Horowitz report and even the Durham investigation that we heard maybe it might be May. Well, here we are in August. Well, and I think the fact that there's been no one indicted for almost four years since this conspiracy started is the reason why an FBI agent might walk up to the Senate Intel Committee in 2018 and Phil, uh, okay, lying or deceiving the committee. Why? He saw his boss, Andy McCabe, do it in these investigations, and he walked away unscathed. There is a culture of deceiving that's been going on in the FBI. They, they cross the line. They color uh, their conclusions. They color the information they give to the court. They withhold things. And if no one's punished, more and more agents will fill that temptation. It's okay to cross that line. John Durham has to create punishment 
significant punishment for the people who did this, or this is going to become the new norm in America. And that's what's so scary. That's how high the stakes are. We'll see right after Labor Day. I think in that window, Labor Day to the 21st of September is a period where I think you may see some revelations from Durham finally. In early September, are we talking before Labor Day, after Labor Day? I think it's in that period, you know, people have been told just before, just after Labor Day, based on the pace of what I'm seeing, I'm going to guess it's going to be after Labor Day. But, you know, in that window between Labor Day and maybe the 21st of summer, which is 21st of September. Are there any indications that that a grand jury have been convened? Is this something that they'd be able to do privately at this point? I talked to several witnesses who were told to be prepared for a grand jury, but I've seen no evidence that it's actually happened yet. Some prosecutors like to keep their cases close to hand until the very last minute and then drop them on the grand jury quickly instead of using a long, you know, six-month grand jury process. It seems like Durham's in that category. But listen, if he doesn't go to the grand jury, nobody's getting indicted. And that will be the real travesty of of, of a four-year sham that we've seen. Greg Jarrett, I mean, look, at we're talking about many of these instances, the exact same crimes that all these other people almost immediately were charged with. And there are cases now have all been disposed of. And that takes quite a period of time. Well, that just underscores how politicized uh, the Justice Department was before Bill Barr took over. And, you know, unequal justice in America. And by the way, in terms of the timing of all of uh, this, in terms of indictments and the Durham conclusion of his investigation, don't believe the media for a moment when they claim, oh, gosh, you can't uh, have an indictment issued uh, just before an election, a 60-day rule or a 30-day rule. There is no such rule. There is one singular rule, and the rule is that you uh, may not take a law enforcement action for the purpose of influencing or affecting an election. Uh, if your purpose is otherwise to enforce the law, you can drop it a, a month before an election, the day before an election. That's the rule. And, you know, the media wouldn't know that, so they're lying about it because they're lazy and stupid. Uh, All they had to do was read the first Horowitz uh, report on the Clinton email case in which he laid out what the DOJ rule is. That's the rule. He was correct. But the media is lying to the American people, either because they are doing it knowingly or, or, as I say, they're just plain dumb. Oh, two things I think would be fair for the American voters. Uh, I think a debate with Joe and the president ought to take place before any voters cast. And the other thing is I'd like to know what happened in 2016 before we have a 2020 election. Uh, Stay right there. John Solomon and Greg Jarrett. Obviously, we're now getting close. And how this is all going to end up, what impact it might have on the American people is only time will tell. But clearly, people on the left are nervous. Final moments here, John Solomon and Greg Jarrett. They've been with us from the very beginning. Justthenews.com is John's new website. He is the editor-in-chief and Fox News legal analyst, author of the bestseller Witch Hunt Hoax, New York Times number one bestselling author on this topic, Greg Jarrett. So it seems like we're now down to the very end here. And what role will we find out that Clapper and Brennan played as it was reported, Greg Jarrett, that Brennan now is going to be questioned by John Durham. Well, Brennan was the instigator of the hoax, and I think the question is going to be, uh, you know, did you lie to Congress about the intelligence assessment and the use of the phony dossier? And second of all, he'll be asked, I would hope, uh, about outsourcing the spying on Americans to foreign, uh, to foreign governments. Um, so those are two principal questions that I think he needs to answer. Yeah. And what are your, your final word on this, John Solomon? 
Yeah, I agree with Greg. He has it right. They're looking at the truthfulness of his testimony about the intelligence community assessment. And also, remember, in July of 2016 and then in August and October of 2016, Brennan was an instigator. He went to Harry Reid. He sent an electronic communication to Comey saying, investigate, investigate Trump. So he was a provocateur early on as the FBI was marching towards this very flawed investigation. Is it true that, that Brennan was asking for it not to be used in the application of the FISA warrants? Do we know that? We don't know that. We know he did not want the Steele dossier to be used in the Intelligence Committee assessment. The CIA was against it, and they, they came up to with a compromise where they would put it in the appendix but not treat it as an actionable intelligence material. Boy, that, that pretty much tells you everything you need to know. But let's leak it to Harry Reid for political purposes, which in and of itself, exactly. I'd like to know what laws may apply there ultimately. Greg Jarrett, John Solomon, you guys never stop. Pretty amazing. When we come back, our medical aid team, a uh, look at how, uh, yes, the COVID-19 issue, where are we with therapeutics? Where are we with the possible vaccine? Uh, some people saying that they would never take the vaccine. I think people should have the choice. That's going to be up to individuals and their doctors to decide. We'll get to that. And then, of course, the lawlessness way out of control all weekend long. Leo Terrell and Geraldo coming up. Don't forget Hannity.com, Amazon.com, live free or die. America and the world on the brink. Thank you for making week one a successful launch. 40% off on Amazon.com today. Bookstores everywhere will continue. Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere uh, and by the way, thanks so much. Uh, the response has been phenomenal and uh, never had more fun doing online virtual events. We're going to have a couple of announcements later in the program. Th- some other events we're doing, we'd love to have you be a part of. I actually think, Linda, when uh, we're, we've I've agreed later in the week, we're going to have one other event, a virtual event that anybody can join this week. But I think the one on either I think it's Thursday night at schedule with you get to be the one asking questions, which is of great danger to me. It is. Um, That's why I'm doing it on Thursday. I'm letting you get warmed up. I'm not making you do it on a Monday or Tuesday. I'm giving you the whole week. But Tuesday, we're planning on just one in which a Mm -hmm. moderator will be asking me questions directly from people that are in the town hall. That's all I won't. All I'll do is answer questions. So that'll be pretty fun. There's going to be a lot of cool things that we're doing, and we're going to be announcing them as we go. Um, we also have some bookstore coming up. So the, uh, this week, uh, the 13th, we have Books and Greetings, which is our awesome partner here in New Jersey, and they are doing a, ha- a town hall-style event. So that's August 13th from 7 to 7.45 Eastern. We definitely want everybody to check that out. So that's this week. Okay. Uh, all right. Awesome. And we'll have much more uh, as well. I'll be on with Martha McCallum tonight on the story. Uh, so that's going to be fun. I was on with my buddy Joe Pags today. Always enjoy being on with awesome him. Awesome guy. Yeah. All right. So a, a lot of discussion as to COVID-19 and a lot of updates to give you, as we always have. Um, you know, it's amazing. The one time the media didn't want to cover COVID. Uh, yeah. During all the protesting that went on. Pretty interesting. Or whenever you see a flattening of the curve, Arizona, Florida, Texas, they don't want to talk about that part either. As if, you know, there's a there seems to be an emerging pattern, increased spike in cases. Uh, but because therapeutics have gotten better, one, two, younger people in both Texas, Florida, Arizona also, uh, they're getting it in greater numbers. Most are not needing medical attention at all. And the death rate stays low in those states compared to the initial outbreak in 
and what happened in the Northeast, which we now know is all preventable because they put COVID-19 patients into long-term care facilities and put them in nursing homes. And they did that in New York and New Jersey. They did that in Pennsylvania. They did that in Michigan. Just dumb decisions that had they followed what the model that was built down in Florida, the model that was built down in Texas, it would have ended a lot better. Now, we always said there would be hot spots. And if you look at, again, as a percentage of people that are actually dying from it, most of them have these underlying conditions or compromised immune systems. There are few exceptions, but they're few. And we are getting better at therapeutics. And we're in final stage trials now for numerous uh, vaccines. We got to hope and pray that one of them will be successful. And that gives people an opportunity. I would never mandate a government vaccine can't do that, but people will have at least the option to choose in consultation with his or her own doctor which way they want to go. Joining us, Brian McDonough, currently hosting a daily podcast uh, on the coronavirus, clinical professor of family medicine, Temple University of Medicine, known to New York audiences as the medical editor at 1010 Winds News Radio since 1996, heard daily as the medical editor of KYW News Radio Philly since 1989. Also, Dr. Josh Umber back with us, Atlas MD. He's the one that created the Healthcare uh, Concierge Cooperative in Wichita, Kansas, that's now been duplicated in a thousand other offices about nationwide. Uh, Dr. McDonough, it's sad when politics, the intersection of politics and, and medicine happens. It happened here uh, what are the latest therapeutics showing you and why is Florida, Texas, Arizona, why are we seeing younger people contracting it and fewer people dying, uh, especially as a percentage of the population, like in New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania and Connecticut? Well, I think one thing we're seeing, Sean, it's good to talk with you again, is that younger people do much better. Obviously, they can transmit the virus to other people, and there are exceptions to the rule. But by and large, younger people do better if you don't have the pre-existing conditions. All these things are playing out. And kind of like you said, the virus really hasn't changed. It's, it's been consistent in its pattern. We've learned a lot more, though, which is good. We've got better therapeutics. We're, we know how to handle people in the hospital better. Um, for instance, We've been wearing masks since the very beginning in the hospital setting, and, and we really cut down on even the cases we have as providers on the front lines because we use PPE and we protect ourselves. So it's a predictable virus in the way it works, and that's kind of the way we have to go at it. You know, we kind of like you're saying, we've got to use the science, not the politics, to determine the next step. And if we do that, and if we keep looking at the facts, using the science to help us for the next steps, we'll do well. And I think that's really what we're starting to see in many cases. Obviously, it's a, it's a big battle. Uh, coronavirus, COVID-19 um, spreads very easily, and we have to take all the precautions we have to, you know, to reduce that spread. And, and Doctor, do you see what it. I see in Arizona, Texas, and Florida? It seems like the flattening of the curve again, the slow drop off. In the beginning, you see an increase in deaths because it's the end of the process or the cycle. But do you see the similar cycle that it looks like to me as similar to what happened in these other areas? I think the key is that the more people who are exposed over time, um, I think people get smart. And I think also we in the hospital setting are more prepared now to deal with it. I think you're seeing people who, you know, and let's face it, in the first month or six weeks, we didn't have things like remdesivir, other treatments, knowing about putting people prone, taking those steps. All those things are being used, and that really does help with survival. Um, obviously, you have some people who they really get it bad, and that, that becomes really tough. But the other well, thing can is I ask uh, you this? dexamethasone. 
Well, you know, I've read the letter of Dr. Daniel Wallace, I mean, the premier expert on hydroxychloroquine, and he said the risk is nil, 42 years of, of, you know, being a doctor, dealing with lupus patients, rheumatoid arthritis patients, writing about malarials, uh, wrote the, the, the clinical textbook on lupus, 400 peer-reviewed articles. He said hydroxychloroquine taking the, is, is the risk is nil, the one study that was negative towards uh, hydroxychloroquine had to be retracted. The VA study was a retro study, and people were getting it late in the game. Then we get the Henry Ford study, the, uh, the, the Sinai Hospital study, that say, no, taken early, it's having dramatic, a dramatic impact for the better. I don't see any studies at all on remdesivir, but that one seems perfectly acceptable. To me, it sounds like just because Donald Trump didn't uh, didn't push it or say that, hey, why not? I don't know what to say about that. I know we initially, many of us were using it and did not get those results and kind of pulled away from it. Uh, I remember way back you said, would you give it to your son early in the course of the illness? And I said, no, I, but I don't know what I would do if it was at the very end of the illness. The reports that we're looking at that qual- say it's helpful, say it's helpful early on. I just don't know if we have enough so strong science behind it. I certainly hope people aren't making political decisions over it because it has to be based on, you know, on science and, and if it provides help. I, I certainly have nothing against the medication that works, but again, I don't want to be the first or the last to use something. I want to make sure I have, you know, a lot of evidence to support it in, in different studies. Yeah. All right. Same question, Dr. Umber. I mean, it seems, I mean, I've not seen a, a study in remdesivir yet of you. Well, uh, I haven't seen a major study, uh, and congratulations on the book, by the way. I, I got the Audible, so I can listen uh, to you read it. By the uh, way, I read the whole thing. Most authors don't read the whole book. I did the whole audio book, but uh, thank <laughs> you so much. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the studies there are you know, um, uh, positive, but not dr- drastically so, um, you know, relative to everything else. But, but I, to agree with the doctor's point is it's, it's hard to test these kind of things, the earlier you give a medicine for a healthy population that is generally going to recover anyways, you need a very large sample size to show a statistical difference. And then when you're testing medicines on a hospitalized ICU group of patients that are very sick, um, again, it, it takes a very strong medicine or a lot of studies to show that uh, you know, a, a significant benefit. So what we do know is we're working the process, and I couldn't agree with the doctor more that we should follow the science and not the politics, because once people had a political opinion on these medicines, I think it was proof that um, we had lost that aspect of it. So we, we keep working this. We keep learning more. Imagine what we'll know in six months if you look at how much we've learned in the first six months. Um, but the point mm-hmm. is, the numbers are dropping. Uh, Florida reporting the lowest number of new cases um, for today that they've had since June 23rd. Um, that's that's fantastic. The lowest hospitalization rate in 31 days since they've started tracking it. Um, those shows you know, that the numbers are all moving in the direction that we want. And I think you know, as a nation, we can step back on maybe some of the fear mongering. Um, like like the doctor said, this is a predictable illness. This isn't crazy. We know how to. We're learning how to manage it. It's not doing anything we uh, can't handle. Yeah. What is your take on where we are with final stage now testing of this vaccine? Which you know, breaking down the sequence of this virus. No, we've never done it this fast. It used to take six years at least. Now it's six. You know, within six weeks they had the sequence broken down. 
I mean, we're looking at the potential that final trial results could be back within nine months. Well, I think well, that's a combination of things uh, in the sense that the, the, the governmental process took six years before, not necessarily the science. And so now that the government has appropriately stepped back from that and allowed things to move as quickly as, and as safely as we can, the first vaccine patient was March 26th. Um, but because we are capitalizing on almost two decades of SARS and coronavirus research on an otherwise straightforward vaccine with a spike protein that we can, you know, uh, create, produce, test, uh, we know creates the appropriate immune response. So we got very lucky in the sense that had this been influenza, it would take six to nine months just to grow the vaccine to test it. Um, so we, we definitely had a big win there from a scientific standpoint very simple protein to develop, to test. Uh, and now the trials, they're doing them here in Wichita where we're at, um, seem to be going very well from uh, the you know, information uh, that I, I've heard. And yeah, what's your theory. take on reading about the vaccine development, uh, uh, Dr. McDonough? Because to me, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking this, this is nothing but more than promising. Yeah, I tell you, we got a head start because of SARS and MERS, which are both coronavirus type. They're very similar. And as a result of that, we got some early research in there, which has also helped. So they're building on something they already have. But I agree with you. Um, much more optimistic of this. I mean, I'm looking at a vaccine and treatment combination working. And you'll hear a lot of people saying, you know, a vaccine may only be 50 or 60 percent effective. That's not a bad thing. Because if you look at most of the flu vaccine, it's never really 100%. What you do is if it's 50 or 60% effective, you get either 50 or 60% of the people out of the population spreading it, or those who get it and it's not totally effective will get minimal symptoms. And that's the idea. If you get enough people a vaccine, even someone who's 60 or 65 or pre-existing conditions, they'll have a degree of protection so the virus may not attack them as much, even if they get it. So this is what we've seen with the flu vaccines. And if we get something like that, it'll be a major boost. All right, I want to ask you both. If we get to that point, what what you would advise most people or or maybe advise yourself, would you take it? I have my own thoughts on it. We'll get to that on the other side. All right, as we continue, final moments uh, at the Leo Terrell and Geraldo next hour. All right. Uh, we continue with Dr. Brian McDonough, Dr. Josh Umber. Uh, I'll ask you both if Moderna, for example, they had every single in stage two trials, every single person. They ended up creating antibodies for coronavirus that they even believe were stronger in many cases than the actual antibodies. If we get the same results in this 30,000 person trial, would you be inclined yourself, uh, Dr. Umber, to get the vaccine? Because I would be. But I'd, of course, I'd ask you and a bunch of other people first. I would. I would definitely uh, get it and recommend it. Um, I know it's one of those weird things where you know, both sides will be upset, I think, in some ways where we've known about uh, hydroxychloroquine for 60 years, but it's not safe enough for this. How can a brand new vaccine we, we don't know for 60 years be safe? And it's the idea that we, we know about vaccines for a very long time. Well, I've got to be clear, and Dr. McDonough, that's got to be in consultation with your own personal doctor. Uh, what would you do for yourself, sir? I would, too. I would, I would get the vaccine, but I would talk with my own personal physician because I always say somebody who treats themselves as a patient has a horrible doctor. So I would make sure that I would talk to my own physician. But I would be at the point if it was as this, as the scenario you present, 
I think with the risk factors I have with patient care, I would do it. All right. Thank you both for being with us. When we come back at the Leo Terrell, Geraldo Rivera, another weekend of anarchy and violence around America's big cities. When does it come to an end? Live free or die. America and the world on the brink. Week two. And I'll be on with Martha McCallum tonight. Uh, More events on Hannity.com. If you go to Amazon.com now, it's a 40% discount, uh, which is great. I can't believe uh, they're doing it at 40% off. They usually call that, I think, a lost leader. I think that's the phrase they like to use. Anyway, Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores now everywhere. Live free or die, America and the world on the brink. Quick break, right back. We'll continue uh, with Geraldo and at the Leo Terrell. To those who engage in this criminal behavior, let's be clear. We are coming for you. We are already at work in finding you, and we intend to hold you accountable for your actions. I don't care. I do not care. Whatever justification was given for this, there is no justification for criminal behavior ever. You have no right, no right, to take and destroy the property of others. Our residents deserve to be safe. Our businesses deserve to understand and enjoy safety and security of their property and in their employees. And our police officers deserve to be able to do their job without having to worry about shots being fired, being uh, projectiles being thrown, and being maced. It, it almost sounds as though you're saying this is the reason we have it is because the courts and the prosecutors were not doing their job, that they were going too easy on the looters from the last time around. Is, uh, don't don't take it from me. Just go by what's been done. I, I, don't, I don't want to do your job for you, but just go by what's been done. There was there were no consequences for and, and, and the Craig, people arrested. Craig, let's be clear. I mean, don't bait us, okay? Do not bait us. Don't, do not bait us. This is a serious situation. People are concerned about their safety. Officers are concerned about their safety, so don't bait us. What we're saying is, as a result of what happened last night, there have to be consequences. We've got teams of people that are aggressively out there identifying the people responsible, looking at the the plates, and we're going to bring them to justice. But when we do, and we do make those arrests, our expectation is that this is going to be treated with the level of seriousness that it should be, period. Don't try to bait us, mischaracterize, pit one against the other. We're not playing that. We are in a serious situation here, and we need a serious response. That's what we're saying, period. I've drawn a very hard line. We will not allow federal troops in our city. We will not tolerate unnamed agents taking people off the street, violating their rights, um, and holding them in custody. That's not happening here in Chicago. So I've drawn a very, very bright line. I've made that very clear to every federal authority um, that I've spoken with, and they understand that if they cross that line, we will not hesitate to use every tool at our disposal to stop troops uh, and unwanted agents in our city. We got a call from the FBI that they're breaking out the windows. If somebody can advise what the cross streets are. We've got looting at uh, Fermac in Michigan. Fermac in Michigan, uh, cash wraps, glass breaks, Nordstrom. Several people have broken in and they have run. All right, that was uh, Mayor Lightfoot, uh, lightweight. You know, I, I love it. We're not going to are not going to allow the police to do their job and come in and even protect federal property. It's madness. And, you know, we got more rioting, widespread looting all over 
Chicago, their their version of the Miracle Mile, if you want to call it that, uh, after uh, police were involved in a shooting. Uh, this is happening every single solitary weekend all throughout Chicago. Uh, this all happening after, you know, a, a cop rioter rampage that actually went on one way. One paper described it and, you know, followed this police shooting. But, you know, we see this pretty much every weekend in Chicago. Homicides now increased 50 percent in 2020, 139 percent in July alone. Chicago rocked by all this violence again this weekend. Chicago police met with anger uh, after the shooting took place. And this is just one neighborhood. You got Portland seeing thousands and thousands. uh, Day 73 now, as so many people in Portland have been hurt. Neighborhoods literally are no longer safe. Businesses have had to stop. Elderly Portland woman hailed as a neighborhood hero after standing up to Antifa. Same in Seattle, the city council voting on a police budget cut, never ending, you know, everything that's happening around the country. And um, New York City, it's even a worse disaster with probably the dumbest mayor ever in the history of New York City. And it's getting worse. Now the upper uh, west side of New York, okay, they have welcoming parties for homeless that are spent, you know, now taxpayers in New York are paying for expensive four-star hotels. In Portland, you got a fire set in uh, the headquarters of the police union there. Nobody seems to care. And uh, people are leaving New York in droves. They're going to be leaving Chicago in droves. They're going to be leaving Seattle and Portland in droves. Because why? Well, I'll give you one answer. There was a New York Post article. New York City's middle-class families are now uh, living a real-life rerun of the movie Escape from New York because of the squalid conditions. Upper West Side, two new homeless shelters packed with junkies and registered sex offenders. By the way, one block away from a school. One block. Registered sex offenders. Brilliant idea, Comrade de Blasio. Now New York City shootings are double what they were in 2019. Rioters in Portland, I told you about a second ago. Here, here to weigh in on all of this, at the Leo Terrell 2.0 on Twitter, uh, is with us, and Fox News' own Geraldo Rivera. Geraldo, you know, one of the things that has defined your career is the, the years that you spent as a, what we call a street reporter, investigative reporter, when you went into Willowbrook many, many years ago and exposed corruption, and, and you had a dramatic impact on shifting and forever changing how the mental health system is run for people that cannot take care of themselves. Thank goodness for that work you did. But, you know, this is what your signature is, being out among people in every city and state. You know, Sean, we've spoken to two uh, very close couples, two dear, two families that are dear friends of ours in Chicago. Whereas, you know, my talk show for 14 years, I was in business with the Tribune company there in Chicago. I hold it near and dear. Uh, the South Side is where Al Capone had his infamous vault on Lexington Avenue, Lexington Hotel, rather. Uh, to see that city descend into absolute chaos, anarchy, lawlessness, looting, rioting, robbery, uh, shooting at cops. Uh, to see, uh, you know, what the hell happened to our third largest city has become another Beirut. It is shameful that the mayor, Lori Lightfoot, has uh, denied the need for federal troops when it's so patently obvious to everyone, everyone who is in their apartments, their condos, their brownstones, uh, you know, wondering whether the rioters will come to them next. Will they break in their windows? Will they take their property? This is absolute wanton lawlessness motivated by greed. This has nothing to do with George Floyd. That shootout, 
uh, the uh, the shooter shot at the cops first. It was, uh, uh, you know, the cops weren't shooting at people. They were being targeted by uh, by gangsters and you know, in their tens of thousands, showing this is run amok. Uh, that mayor should uh, uh, look in the mirror and say, "What have I? What have I wrought with my hatred of Donald Trump? And I, I have denied my city the protection that would have kept lawful, law-abiding citizens safe last night." It is appalling, Sean. It's uh, something that is incredibly frustrating, Sean. Leo Terrell, I share Geraldo's frustration because these are are problems that we know how to deal with, that we know how to solve. Uh, But yet police department after police department is being defunded. Uh, Then we have cops that that were literally putting handcuffs on them and no longer even allowed to use the tools that have been normally available to them, what they were trained in the use of, uh, to disperse crowds, and that would be tear gas and pepper spray. Geraldo's been in that situation numerous times in, in life. It's not pleasant, but he's survived. Everybody survives but then you disperse crowds and you save lives. Well, Sean, first of all, before I go after these Democratic mayors, let me say again, congratulations on having the number one book in America. And, it's in the uh, mail, Leo. We sent one to you. <laughs> I, I, well, I just wanted to do that little promo there because you do have the number one book, and I'm proud to be your friend. Uh, thank I you. I, it means yet. a lot. And you know what? The time is now. This is 85 days. Everything's on the line here, in my view. Well, Sean, let me simply say this. You know, what you and Geraldo just mentioned is the number one reason why I left the Democratic Party. And Mayor Lightweight is basically taking no action. And her little tough talk today was just a a charade because basically she, in order to remain a Democratic Socialist, she has to let Black Lives Matter extremist group Antifa hijack the city. It is disingenuous for her to do this tough talk today when she, along with every other Democratic mayor in all these Democratic cities, allowed their cities to burn. President Trump was absolutely right. He offered assistance. They refused because they don't like him. And I got news for you. A lot of Democrats who are law and order, there was a Gallup poll last week, 80% of black Americans want more police support. Chicago, the king of black-on-black crime. I guarantee you, people are going to vote for Trump because they want to be safe in their homes, safe in their businesses. And what Lori Lightfoot and the Portland mayor and Garcetti and de Blasio, they have just destroyed Democratic cities for years. And it's going to be a long time for this to be recovered. I don't disagree, Geraldo, with a single word that that Leo just said. You know, when I was growing up, I wasn't the best kid. Uh, but I knew. <laughs> wait a minute. That if wait I a minute. You and I, that's why we've been such good friends, because we were both <laughs> incorrigible <laughs> troublemakers. That's right. That's right. And Leo was in the same club. Bridge to- no. It's true. It's true. And I probably hung out with you in another life. But the thing 100%. is, when we were going through our, you know, growing up, we knew there were consequences to evil action, to bad deeds. We know that there was a, there was a counterweight. You did something, you, you crossed the line, you knew somebody was going to slap you on the hand, they were going to hold you responsible, you were going to, you know, your life was going to be checkered by your, uh, your criminal past. You knew that there was a consequences to your behavior. These days, with social media making it very easy, there is a kind of an attitude that anything goes that screw society. Uh, there is no such thing as private property. There's no such thing as law and order. Uh, let's just go out and, uh, you know, do whatever it is that, that, that satisfies us right now. You want to break the window of Nordstrom's? You want to bust into the jewelry store? You want to rape Macy's yet again? You want to make up the Miracle Mile uh, another 
uh, you know, war-torn slum. Go at it. Go for it. Because there's no consequences because this mayor so hates President Trump that she'll never call the National Guard in. She'll never admit that the 12,000 members of the Chicago Police Department cannot possibly police the 117,000 gang members. There is an, a, an, a semi-organized ethos now, a, 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 a way of life that, okay, go to the store on, uh, you know, uh, on, on the, the, uh, the, on the loop. Go there. It's, uh, it's, there's no cops there. The window's been broken. Go ahead. Uh, they go to the bank. Take the ATM. Take the whole damn thing. You know, take all those, uh, the watches that you always, uh, wanted. Take whatever you want. There's, there's no one's gonna punish you. Don't worry. There'll be no record. There'll be no cops. There'll be no nothing. And I think that the, the people of Chicago now are tasting the bitter fruit of the of the hypocrisy and the uh, the uh, the uh, strident ideology that has led us to this uh, sorry state, Sean. Well, I mean, this is the problem. They, they've done nothing for for years to fix this, Leo. Now we see it on steroids. At what point do they uh, be held responsible? It's sort of like sanctuary city and state status. They let criminals out of jail. They don't hand them over as they should legally to ICE. They commit more, people commit more crimes. At what point are they aiding and abetting the lawlessness and the law breaking and the damage that is done? I would say they're doing it right now. I, be, I will echo that and say they've been doing it for the last 35, 40 years. These are key Democratic cities, and I'm embarrassed. You know, the more I look at it now from, from looking at it to over here, I'm looking at it and saying, my gosh, I was part of this. And the Democrats have pandered, pandered, pandered in these Democratic cities. And you're looking at this crime, and you know the root of the crime? The poor educational system in these public schools dominated by these teacher unions who put money in these Democratic politicians' pockets to deny school choice and voucher. You have an epidemic in these Democratic cities because they have a playbook that is so outdated that everything has to flow from the government, and we're here to help you. No, they have denied people in these Democratic cities the right to move upward. And what we got to do is do what we talked about this last week is a re-education. We got to get these Democratic politicians out of these cities and we got to take over these cities one way or another. Uh, listen, I, I have no hope that these liberal cities are going to wake up and realize that these politicians have lied to them every they lie to them every two and four years. And the same lies are being perpetrated now. And they now have the, the perfect guy to use as their villain. And that's Donald Trump, as if Donald Trump's responsible for their city. When he's not, all he's trying to do is offer help. Stay right there. More with Leo Terrell, more with Geraldo on the other side. All right, we're going to hold over just for a few minutes, Geraldo and at the Leo Terrell. Uh, week two, live free or die, America and the world on the brink. Uh, by the way, 40% discount now on Amazon.com if you go there today. First it was 30%, then 33%, now it's 40%, so we couldn't be any happier. Thanks for making uh, Live Free or Die the number one book in the country now, two weeks and running. And uh, you made that happen, not me, but it is, it's out there, and it has every bit of information that any informed voter will need to know what is at stake. To sum it all up, it's everything that anybody believes is the American dream, freedom, liberty, risk, reward, capitalism, versus the false promises of socialism, radical redistributionism, and, of course, radical environmentalism. And Joe, of course, partnering with Bolshevik, Bernie, AOC, and Bozo, and the rest of them. Anyway, Hannity.com, Amazon.com. I'll be on Martha's show tonight at 7. 
And uh, also uh, 40% off today at Amazon.com. Quick break. More with Leo and Geraldo on the other side. All right, leave free or die. America and the world on the brink. Week two. Thank you for uh, making it number one two weeks now and running. Uh, Amazon now has a discount at 40% off. Bookstores everywhere. Uh, we've got two town halls that we'll be announcing this week. All the information on Hannity.com. Uh, one is going to be ask uh, Sean about, you know, a 2020 town hall, just answering your question straight up. And we'll tell you how you can join that. Also, Linda has a non-cupcake interview with me that she wants to give. It's all virtual, all free, and we'll tell you more details as time goes on. Don't forget our election map 2020 on Hannity.com. And that is, okay, What well, when does absentee mail-in voting start and how do you register and questions who's running for Congress Do you have a Senate race this year in your state? All of that is up there in our interactive 2020 map online. You can't miss it at Hannity.com as well. Uh, All right, let me go. Geraldo mentioned his 15 years that he worked with WGN. Uh, First, we'll hear WGN's report on what went on in Chicago this weekend and ABC7 Chicago, their report on the looters breaking into, you know, some of the different stores there. Good morning. Uh, just a few minutes ago, we did get confirmation from a spokesperson uh, for the Chicago Police Department that the police-involved shooting here was related to the looting. Apparently, this started when officers were trying to uh, stop a couple of looters who had made their way uh, over the bridge over here to Lake and Michigan. Still a lot of heavy police presence here. Uh, the uh, Lake Street portion of Lake Street and also uh, Michigan blocked off as a uh, large number of investigators are still here at the scene. Uh, from what we understand, this happened before five this morning. Uh, the officers were attempting to stop uh, these looters. Police say that uh, The offenders fired shots at the officers and then officers returned fire. Uh, None of the officers was injured in this incident, but at this time, police do not know if any of the uh, offenders was hit. They're not even exactly sure how many offenders uh, were involved in this situation. What you're seeing is people breaking into the pot bellies on state and lake, smashing windows here, getting in. On the Lake Street side, people jumping the counters, people stealing what are taking whatever is behind the counter, people taking drinks, trying to get into the coolers there, they're taking drinks. Somebody had hopped behind the uh, cash register to try and take some cash or get into the cash machine. But they were able to breach the doors of the Potbelly restaurant here on Staten Lake on the Lake Street side and get in that way. They were in here very short time, but you can see that this is the window that they went into. Okay, we're gonna turn around. So you can see this is the Potbelly's restaurant where people were able to smash the window on Lake Street, get inside and just steal a few items from indoors. So. It's just a war zone. Uh, final minutes, then we'll get to your calls. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program with Geraldo Rivera at the Leo Terrell uh, on Twitter. Geraldo, you mentioned WGN. This, this is not a, a new phenomenon. You know, Biden and Obama, all throughout the years, they were president and vice president. Guess what? They didn't lift a finger. There were nights on my TV show, Hannity, that I would scroll the names of all the thousands of people shot in Chicago. 
and the thousands murdered in the eight years that they were in power and they were in office. They barely mentioned Chicago. This is a war zone every weekend. And they seem seemingly have zero desire to fix the problem, uh, except now we have, what, nine, 10, seven year olds, even younger, getting shot and dying. You can't pursue happiness, Geraldo Rivera, if you don't have simple safety and security. A 10 month old among those shot. Yeah, John. exactly. The 44th president of the United States, Barack Obama, lives in Chicago. Jesse Jackson, the prominent civil rights leader of our era, lives in Chicago. This is put up or shut up time. You can no longer ignore what is happening. I understand that it is in the best interest of Democrats to ignore civil unrest and this uh, this disruption, this looting, the rioting, the thievery, the uh, the violence directed at innocent people. I understand that the Democrats fear that if they deal with urban anarchy, they'll be fulfilling the Republicans' uh, a proclamation that they are ineffective and, and in, in favor of lawlessness. They must, however, at this moment, Sean, they must stand up for America. Where is your voice, President Obama? Where is your voice, Reverend Jackson? Well, that's a good it question. Obama's still, you know, that that's his hometown. Where's Farrakhan? Where's, uh, where's Jesse Jackson? Where's the Rainbow exactly. Coalition? Where is any of the, the leaders the, there? Why, why, have they, why were they, they quiet for eight years when, when they were... You know, because running the hypocrites. entire government. Because they're hypocrites. Okay. Because they are hypocrites. Because it is not in their best interest to be in the uh, in defense of their own people against this lawless mob, Sean. Oh, I think, you know what? I'll tell you right now, they, they're wrong. Because they, what they have done is they have devalued black lives in a democratic city. But I got news for you. Democrats like myself are sick and tired of it. They're not going to, you know, by, by the change is going to take place, not by, by being afraid of Republicans saying, ha-ha, we told you so. It's going to be because there's going to be an uprising within Democrats in these cities saying, no, we've had enough with this old Democratic playbook. This is a 50-year-old Democratic playbook. And what's going to be written now is a new Democratic playbook that are going to turn out these rats because they have done nothing to progress these cities using these so-called democratic principles. The democratic principle that I'm used to was a JFK principle. These principles are gone. They need to be resurrected. Yeah, well, I, I don't think it's that difficult. We know how to do it. Geraldo, you've been in, on, on the streets when tear gas and pepper spray are fired at crowds to disperse them. It's not pleasant. You've described it before, uh, but they're not even allowed allowing the police to use these known methods that successfully end riots. Why? And if, how bad is it? If they don't allow law enforcement to use non-lethal methods of uh, quelling a mob, then the mob will reign supreme. I've been in, in mobs and in riots and in tear gas situations on, on three or four different continents, multiple countries, multiple cities in the United States. You get tear gas, you, uh, you rinse your head up with, uh, with a quart of water, and you're fine. You go on in life, but you've been deterred from whatever it was that you were doing that the authorities did not want you to do. To handicap the cop, to make it so they either have to kill or ignore, is a ridiculous scenario, a ridiculous dichotomy. It is. It flies in the face of all logical law enforcement. Law enforcement 
de- uh, demands, good law enforcement demands, the force necessary to deal with the situation, to artificially hand- handcuff, to artificially, uh, for people who've never been in the field, to, to the way Lori Lightfoot has said, no federal troops, no matter what. You can tell Lori Lightfoot was, was behaving based on a naivete that she was disabused of in the May and June riot. Now it is August. Now Chicago is suffering yet again. At what point do the rights of the law-abiding begin to take precedent over the rights of the anarchists, rioters, murderers, uh, gangbangers, drug dealers, and looters? I'll tell you when. It's when Lori Lightfoot and Democratic leadership understand there is a distinction between those criminals who are rioting and law-abiding Democrats. And what they can't do, they have merged the two. They have conflated the two. They need to understand that those people out there who are committing criminal acts are not voters. They don't care about politics. They care about destruction and destroying property. All right. Thank you. At the Leo Terrell on Twitter, Uh, Geraldo Rivera, thank you both for being with us and uh, staying a bit longer. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. Uh, Tony in the Ocean State, Rhode Island. How are you, sir? Glad you called. Hey, good good afternoon, uh, Sean. I'll tell you three highlights of my life. Birth of my son, talking to Rush Limbaugh back in the 80s, and now talking to you. Wow. Uh, uh, that's, a, yeah, that's, a pretty, yeah. that's a pretty high bar for me. I, I can't mess this up. No, nah, man. Listen, I'm hoping I don't mess it up. I'm going to try to articulate as quickly and best I can. First and foremost, the First Amendment, peaceful protest. What we're seeing is anything but peace, peaceful protesting. Second Amendment, right to bear arms, protect ourselves, a militia against a tyrannical government, okay? What I'm seeing are people attacking our government to destroy and rewrite the Constitution and become a so- for us to become a socialist, communist country and overthrow our government. The liberal, the liberal left uh, leaders and media are portraying all this as if the federal government is attacking the people, when in fact the government has a duty to keep, protect the Constitution and protect us law-abiding people from the, the mob mentality that's going on. They're hell-bent on creating chaos, and this is a, an attempt to destabilize this country. And essentially, the feds have got to step up, and as Bonnie Fife used to say, nip it in the butt. God bless our president. God bless this country. God bless you, Mr. You know something? Every American child needs safety. You know, most people are not like me. I, I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm, I'm an anomaly in the sense that I'm a maniac when it comes to uh, self-defense. I train four or five days a week, an hour and a half a day. I find the time I get my butt out of bed and I do it. Uh, I've been a a pistol marksman, you know, since I'm 11 years old because of what my mom and dad did for a living. And most people are not capable of defending themselves, sadly. I would urge people to figure out ways to do it. Find a way to protect yourself and your family and your home. And an alarm system, for example, simply safe, proud to partner with them. That's that's a step. Uh, getting trained in the use of a firearm, that would be a step. Training first and then deciding which is the, the right self-defense tool in your house and based on the laws and everything in between. But it is sad for most people. They're depending on the police. And the police now, guess what? They, they can't even do their job because liberal politicians have handcuffed them and defunded them, and cut them to the bone, and won't support them, so they're looking the other way. Even 
the Seattle police chief saying you're on your own if you have, own a residence or you own a business. It is sad, and it's something that we absolutely could fix tomorrow if we had the desire to do so. Ashley is in North Carolina. We'll, we'll be watching North Carolina a lot in just 85 days, Ashley. Glad you called. Hi, Sean. It is a pleasure to be on. Thank you for calling. Thanks for being with us. Um, I don't know. After listening to the last few minutes, I guess Chicago should call in the social workers. Well, um, yeah, I mean, you know, what is, is the there, social worker going to do? Try and talk the, the, the gang member with the guns not to shoot anybody? Please, you. sir, this is, you know, this is not good for your emotional health. Good luck with no, that. That's not going to work. Are not, social workers are not the police. Social workers call the police to accompany them to a volatile or potential dangerous situation. So the left is asking or, or suggesting um, that social workers come in lieu of armed officers when they require an armed officer to go to a situation that could be potentially harmful. Not to mention that their stack of paperwork and cases is overwhelming for what their normal job is. And now we want to add more. So the children that need assistance, the the homes that need monitoring are now going to have to be put on a farther back burner because... Well, I'm sure the reallocation of funds, though, they want to hire these liberal social workers. You're right. They they can't balance the workload they have now. And I, I totally agree. Nor are they equipped to deal with people that are armed and violent. Hey, let me no, tell you, the, the, those armed and violent people are just, they're going to roll these people. I am telling, and I mean roll over them, and they're going to be laughing, you know, knowing that they can get away with violence with and, and arson with abandon, that there are no consequences anymore for their actions. I'll give you the last word. It's sad. It's a grenade. The criminal is a grenade. And once the police have shown up, the pin has been pulled from the grenade, and it's trying to figure out when it's going to explode or how to get the pin back in to diffuse the situation. But they have to be armed and protected for the time that the grenade goes off. And social workers are not trained in that specific line of work. They're trained to come in and do home studies to protect children or situations. They're not trained to defuse an, a criminal who is likely armed and dangerous. You can't. You know what? It's predicated on this belief that you can talk a crazy person into not being crazy. Or if you have violence in your heart, you're not going to stop them by saying, let's sit and talk about our feelings together before you go ahead with this new act of violence. This is madness. This is a pipe dream. This won't won't end well. It's going to end with innocent men, women, children, moms, dads, grandmas and grandpas shot and killed. Anyway, I got to run. Thank you. Great call, by the way. All right. Take a quick break. Don't forget 40% off today on Amazon.com. Live free or die. Week two. Thank you for launching us uh, number one now two weeks in a row. You made that happen. We appreciate it. All right, don't forget, speaking of money off, uh, Live Free or Die, thank you for launching us week two at number one. Uh, and it's now today 40% off on Amazon. It's in bookstores everywhere. Uh, our events are on Hannity.com. Our election map is on Hannity.com. Uh, you need to know early voting. You need to know who's running. You need to know absentee. Whatever you need to know, how to register. Tonight on Hannity, Lindsey Graham says new documents show the FBI misled the hell out of Congress. We have Ari Fleischer, Dan Bongino, Geraldo, Larry, and Leo, Horace Lorenzo Anderson with an update, Raymond Lopez of Chicago, the alderman, with an update, and Dr. Ronnie Jackson on Biden's health. 9 Eastern, Hannity, Fox, set your DVR. See you tonight. Back here tomorrow. 